Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry. Corey Perry. Well, able to shake away from Solani. It's given away to Solani. Welcome back, Ducks fans. It's a Forever Mighty post-game <laughs> show. It's a good one here tonight on the trade deadline edition. As your Ducks have come falling back to earth <laughs> under the reins of Bob Murray, a 4 nothing loss in Vancouver, Canada, to a team they probably should have beaten, in my opinion at least. Uh, Eddie, how you doing, man? Uh, it's been a long day. It's been a, I think we've done, me and Jason did like three podcasts in a row. And uh, we talked about Brandon Montour last night. Then we did the whole trade deadline thing today. So it's been a long day of Ducks hockey. And uh, you, you want to say you're disappointed that it wrapped up in a loss. But at this point, I think we've all, even with the, the change in, in coach and, and the slight bit of optimism that came with that, this is what we expected this season to be. And this is what everybody's aiming for. Everybody still wants that top pick. And with the Ducks losing today, New Jersey winning, it, it helps them out. So I'm disappointed, but you, you kind of felt like this was coming. You never want to see the boys lose. Like no. I, I've had that conversation. It's like you just don't – I mean, we want the pick, but it's tough hockey to watch. It's just really tough hockey to watch. No, it, it's brutal. Like, they've scored two goals over the last three games. <laughs> they came close a couple times in this one. Max Jones had a pretty good chance, and there, there was some good chances they had, but just not enough. Not enough high-danger chances, not enough high-quality chances. Uh, the, the puck movement just isn't good enough to actually facilitate any of those chances either. So it's uh, 
typical, prototypical of the Ducks season so far. The, the goal scoring just is not there. Well, Gordon Bombay in our chat here says, uh, yeah, we got rid of Brian Gibbons, though. <laughs> yeah. At least that happened, right? We got we got rid of Brian Gibbons, but we also got rid of Brandon Montour at the same time. Oh, I know. I wasn't on the show to talk about that with you guys yesterday. That's that's uh, an interesting thing we'll have to get to when we get to our post-game, uh, post-game, I guess you could call it, our notes at the end of the show. We'll go over those storylines. But there was a ton of things that happened today across the NHL. Um, you can touch the top on the top of those topics once we get there. But uh, looking at the beginning of this game, uh, getting into the notes here, Boyle and Angus Redman are your goaltenders. That's a little bit concerning here um, just because that means Chad Johnson's still hurt, which I don't know if that really means anything negative there. But more importantly, right. John Gibson's hurt and still not back. It turns out during the middle of the broadcast, they said something had like four impacted wisdom teeth. What else could go wrong? So right? this guy just <laughs> on top uh, of getting clobbered by his own defenseman a month ago. Yeah, it's just the the injuries keep adding up, not just for John Gibson, but for everybody. And uh, I mean, the, the the Ducks actually have been pretty lucky lately that there hasn't been a ton of guys who found their way to the IR. It's just been goalies now, which is is you know you had forwards and defensemen all throughout the year, and now it's the goaltenders who are getting hurt. So it was Ryan Miller, then it was. Uh, John Gibson, then it was Chad Johnson, and now Ryan Miller's back, but he's not really 100%. So now you've got Kevin Boyle. At what point in the season, or any point in the beginning of the season or throughout the season, did you think that the Ducks would be playing a game where Kevin Boyle was a starter and Agus Redmond was the backup? Because they're three guys, they're three labeled starters or the, on the depth chart here, are all injured. I mean, this it's ridiculous. There was probably a 0% chance I thought that was going to happen. I Nobody never thought that Kevin Boyle was even going to be called up this year, really. Uh, yeah. So that was happening in the crease. Daniel Sprong back in the lineup after missing four games. So that's a good thing. Uh, Ryan Getzloff and then Ryan Miller were the only scratches tonight as Patrick Eze is down with the goals. So no no ease in the lineup or even looking to be in the lineup coming after he, after he cleared waivers. But uh, what is going on with Ryan Getzloff? Have you heard anything about that? Not really. He's they're saying it's not long term, but he's now missed three games, and he's not been practicing. I don't think it's long term, as in like week to week. But I don't think they really know a hundred percent how long he's going to be out. Like they they would assume it's probably day to day because he's doing all the regular stuff, except just participating in practice. But it, it, it's a, an interesting one because like we mentioned on the last show we did, I think it was after the Calgary game, and, and that would have been the first or first game he missed, I believe. And uh, we talked about how earlier in the season he missed a practice, I think about three or four weeks ago, because of, of an upper body injury. And uh, then he ended up playing that night anyway. So I think it's just a lingering effect from whatever that was. But uh, it must be serious enough that he's had to miss the last three games or they're just taking their precaution, right? I mean, the Ducks aren't good. And it's not like they're making a playoff push, really. So you might as well take your time and make sure Getzloff's okay than throwing him out there when he's not 100%. Yeah, when he missed that practice, it was they said he had a uh, his back was stiffed up, so sore back, maybe back spasm, something going on with his Great back. English, his so. back was stiffed up. Well, awesome. it says Getzloff's back stiffed up is what I read. All right. So perfect. <laughs> is that a press release from the Ducks? Uh, that's on Roto World, so that's NBC. Uh, but uh, that's I what I just pulled up here. Yeah, he had his back. It says literally Getzloff's back stiffed up. So GM slash head coach Bob Murray told him to get off the ice. Yeah, 
That's yeah, legit. Well, yeah, again, like Matt just brought up in the chat, why make him play when he's dinged up, right? Like, what's yeah. the point in playing him through an injury when the Ducks aren't going to be competitive this year? It makes no sense. Embrace the tank. Just Lose embrace the it. Youth. Just embrace just the tank. Embrace it. Yeah, there you go. You have to. So that was the uh, the news pregame. The forward lines were kind of hysterical. Just uh, the way that everything's just lined up since the beginning of this year, looking at, you know, even the preseason as to what we thought the lineups were going to be. You got Sprong, Raquel, Perry, Jones, Henrique, Terry, Shore, Grant, Silverberg, Richie, Kessler, Rowney. And then on defense, Lindholm, Manson, Fowler, Megna, and then Gooley and Holzer. Oh, well, this is this is quite the change we've seen over the past few weeks. It's a very interesting lineup. Yeah, I mean, Walensky gets sent down. I, I thought he got sent down, honestly, just to be ready for goals playoffs. But I guess they just weren't happy with what they were seeing. He was a healthy scratch for a while there. So right. you might as well send him down and get some playing time and bring up Holzer, who it's not as big a deal if he's playing up. You know, there's not a huge gap, I think, between what Walensky is going to bring to you and what uh, Corbinian Holzer is going to bring. And it's better served for Walensky to go down to the goals and play top line minutes down there rather than sit on the bench and, and not even on the bench, sit in the press box and watch the Ducks play. So uh, that makes sense. But, yeah, you, you, you just really look at uh, how thin this Ducks blue line has gotten. You know, the, the depth that used to be there isn't there anymore, especially when you move one of those big pieces like Brendan Montour. All of a sudden you get exposed and you've got, yeah, you've got Lindholm and Manson and then you've got Cam Fowler. But now you've got Holzer who has to go with Cam Fowler. And then you've got Gooley, who's the new guy, and you've got to pair him with Jacob Magda. I mean, you're just looking at the guys who've gone out the door here, the, about probably about three or four seasons ago, everybody talked about the depth that Anaheim had in the blue line and how it's such a strength. And they were eventually going to be able to move some of these guys to uh, shore up the deficiencies they had up front. And uh, now they're they're all gone. Votnin's gone. Montour's gone. Theodore's gone. Pedersen's gone. And uh, you've just got the, the three regulars, if you want to call them that, that are left. Well... What are you going to do? I, I never thought we would see a lineup without uh, Shea Theodore and Brandon Montour. I, I, yeah. Back when the expansion draft was happening for Vegas, you knew that a piece was going to be moved. But you never thought at this point, two seasons later, that this was going to be the case. I don't think anyone saw this kind of this kind of retool, quote-unquote, was going to be coming, right? No, never. I, you never thought that after the expansion draft, where they basically picked Brandon Montour over Shea Theodore, that they would be without both of them at some point. And uh, I, I didn't ever think Brandon Monta would be the guy who would get traded. It kind of did feel like eventually somebody would, and you knew it wasn't going to be Hampus Lindholm, so it was either going to be Fowler, Manson, or Montour. And when you look at it logically, Montour is probably the easiest one to move. You know, he had the best contract, and he was a right-shot defenseman, and he's a, a puck rusher, which a lot of teams are looking for for the modern-day game. So he just was the easiest guy to move in the end, and the, the Ducks ended up getting an offer that they liked, and they bid on it. They, they easily could have waited to the offseason, but I, I think this was a move where the Ducks scouting staff really liked Brendan Cooley, and they also liked the fact that they can get a first-round pick. If you well, make this trade at the draft, you might not necessarily get a first-round pick. I'll talk year. about my half of this little story when we get to after the game. You decided to jump to the post game, so yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, how how can you not? How, how can you want to stay here and talk about this game? Right? Well, we we got to talk mean, a little bit about it. I mean, I guess there yeah. was some good things in this game in the way of seeing the young kids get their chances. I felt like Jacob Silverberg had a few strong plays. Um, I don't want to go through this game like we normally do, or we kind of just teeter through this, you know, what happened and, and go over highlights. I kind of just want to talk about 
Kevin Boyle's game overall. Uh, he lets in four goals tonight. Um, we can go through each one of them, but uh, I mean, the first one, Godolbin off a rush on just an incredible pass by yeah. Elias Pettersson. That, that pass was beautiful, you know, across the zone. Basically, he's going, he's going east-west and then able to land it right on the tape as he enters the blue line. And then I don't know what Boyle's supposed to do there. It goes right in off the post far side and down off the bar. I don't I don't know what to say there. It's just kind of like shot. those just happen. What are you going to do? I think anyone would have got beat by that one. Goldobin has that in his roster, but the problem with him is he's just not consistent. It reminds me a bit of Daniel Sprong where he's got a great shot, but the offense isn't as consistent as you'd like it to be. And you know, there, there's guys like that all over the league. Where well, hey, at they, least he shot the puck from above the goal line. Sprong yeah, yeah. likes to just come exactly, all the way yeah. in and shoot from the goal line. That's it. A, helps that's playing with Elias Pettersson as well. Yeah. I don't know if they were uh, if they're actually on the same line or not, but when you're on the ice at any time with Elias Pettersson, he's going to be able to find you the puck. And uh, you, it's not the best position to be in at that point, but he makes Boyle pay with a perfect shot. There's not much you can do. I mean, it goes right off pretty much the corner uh, where the crossbar meets the post and right down into the other right behind the far post on the other side. So, again, not much Brian Boyle can do. Or Brian Boyle, jeez, it's been a long day. Kevin Boyle. Uh, not much <laughs> not much Kevin Boyle can do on that play. And, uh, unfortunately, it's one nothing Canucks. And then the second goal, I kind of feel like that just maybe was the one he would want back. It was a Biega shot from the blue line. Goes in front. Uh, Gooley was in front of the net battling with somebody in front of him. It was kind of like a, a moving screen, a partial screen. But you got to think that Boyle saw the release of that shot and could have yeah. dropped down and prepared for it. Didn't get the five hole tightened up in time. And next thing you know, it's two nothing Canucks in the first period. Do you, do you really want to rip uh, Gooley right off the bat? You want to say it's his uh, fault? No, it's not his fault. That's front? one. That's one that that Boyle's got to have. You got to have. Yeah, it. yeah, he wasn't set. He 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 gets down too slow. And it squeaks through the five. Well, I know you're not expecting it, I guess, because I, I I don't know if it takes a deflection, but it kind of slows down a bit. And, it kind of skipped. Flat it didn't hit ice. anybody. Just skipped a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and it, it doesn't bounce up. It, it literally lands flat in the ice, and uh, that's a hard one to read if you're expecting it to bounce up. And and you maybe he's oh, in position there. Sorry, Jason. I, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to attack the goalie union there. <laughs> like it, it looks like he's waiting for it to bounce up, and and it does end up going flat in the ice. But that that's a little bit on him. For that one not much i mean if you're ghoulie in front you, you kind of can't move out of the way because you're you're marking your man in front of the net you kind of have to be in that position and at that point it's up to the goalie to be able to find the puck and make the save and unfortunately he doesn't yeah just couldn't get a couldn't get it away fast enough uh with the pads right he just just wasn't able to tighten it up uh, a couple of plays to end the period you know cory perry he had a pretty strong game offensively i felt off and on just still can't finish consistently jones a little spin move there um, ducks out shoot the Canucks in this period, but just, I mean, they had some dangerous plays, Eddie. I just, I don't know. Nothing. When you don't get a good rush and you and to create a, to, to create chances, it, it just doesn't look like you're dangerous. I don't care if you have 50 shots on net, right? If you're just getting shots from the wall or you're whiffing on shots down low, I just kind of feel like you don't look dangerous enough. So these shots are just kind of, okay. Yeah. Yeah, like the Ducks have been putting up a lot of shots lately, and I think that's a big difference from what we saw early on, where the Ducks couldn't muster a shot for the first ten minutes of the game. Now they're actually <laughs> seeming to outshoot 
their opponents in the first period down by by a pretty big margin, especially in this one, 14 to six. But they come out of the, the first period down two to nothing because a lot of those are just perimeter shots. They're not high danger chances, and they're just throwing the puck on net. And that that almost seems to be what the the system has been implemented. I don't want to say that they've implemented a new system, but if that's what it seems like the coaches have told the players to go out there and do on offense is when you get a chance to shoot the puck in a decent position, just shoot it. Don't try and make the perfect pass. Don't try and make the perfect pass. Just shoot the puck. And it's different from what we've seen in the last 25 games before this, but it doesn't mean it's any more effective. It's honestly probably least less effective than not shooting the puck and making the pretty pass. The Ducks weren't scoring before. They're not scoring now. Now they're just putting up shots, and it makes it look a little bit less on them and more on the opposing goalie, which we've seen at times this year. But just recently, because when Bob Murray first took over, they got better and better and better, right? I guess Canucks, they squeaked out that victory for Kevin Boyle. Yeah, they lost to Boston, but looked better. Then they looked really good. Um was it against the Caps? Was it, was that the third the game? Caps, I think yeah. against the Caps. The 5-2 win, yeah. Yeah, they started playing better. And then for whatever reason, I guess not having Ryan Getzloff's a big problem, um, which clearly it is. But um, but you're right. I mean, this game is one of those games that they just they were getting some like high danger chances, but they at the moment of truth, they kind of just were missing their their shot. Um, you get to the second period, maybe Hampus Lindholm's worst shift that I've seen him play, and it was on a penalty kill. Uh, he just couldn't yeah. get the puck out of the zone, gets caught out of position, runs back around, tries to get down low to Bo, uh, to Bo Horvat, who's standing on the side of the net, who whiffs and then buries a second chance. Uh, I mean, if Jason was here, I'd rip him for saying that Kevin Boyle probably should have had his skate on the post. But, I mean, Hampus Lenholm came sliding in and wasn't able to get there in time. Horvat buries it, and next thing you know, now it's 3 nothing. Horvat's a big kid. I mean, that that's a he's a tough guy to to mark at any point on the ice, but especially down low. If he gets like set in his position down there, he's a impossible. Don't you to feel move like that's one box. of those plays where people were screaming like, "Why didn't Hampus just take the body?" That's it's it's yeah. not it's not instinctual. I don't think like because I think that Horvat Hampus was more ready to hop in and try to block the puck. I guess it's just not like in your first thought when you're on the penalty kill to go to go bury somebody across the side of the net, but maybe you should. Good, good luck moving the guy too. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, Horvat is not the biggest the guy when you look at him, but he's almost impossible to knock off the puck, especially when he's set in the ice like that. I, I mean, Hampus could Hampus would have to go over at full steam to really knock him out of position at that oh, yeah. point. So he makes the right play to try and block the puck. It's just Horvat ends up getting a, a nice bounce and falls right to him to put the puck in the back of the net and. You know the the season that Elias Patterson has having is kind of people are forgetting and, and not talking about Bo, Hor- Bo Horvat too much, but he's had 23 goals now this year, and uh, he's just kind of flying under the radar again. And, and that's the benefit of having two elite centers like that, where everybody's focused on the new kid and the flashy kid and Elias Patterson, and quietly Bo Horvat's just going about his business, putting up over 20 goals and has the potential to hit 30 this year. So he's he's just an effective guy and. He's a complete complement to Elias Pettersson in that system. I mean, you've talked more about Bo Horvat than you have Austin Matthews all season. So I'm just saying, and, and Matthews is having a pretty good season himself. Well, I, I gotta talk. I gotta talk about Bo Horvat more because <laughs> he played for the London Knights, so I've got a little bit of affinity for him there. <laughs> Always good to leave the American out. So there you go. It's three nothing Canucks. Um, have to get through the rest of this period here. Just just get on with the, the third period. It would be Horvat would create the play again after just, I don't know, just a hell of a, uh, you know, just a four check in 
by his line, able to dive in and keep the puck in at the blue line. Probably a really piss-poor defensive play there by Ryan Kessler and being outskated and outplayed to the blue line. And then Rowney misses his chance in on low, uh, in down low as uh, Levo is able to find Horvat again, who circles back around at the top. Gets a nice shot between Rowney's skates because Rowney doesn't, doesn't play the body. It goes off far side, near post, in on Boyle, and now it's 4 nothing, and that's all she wrote, friends. Just, uh, just a tough game, and, and again, you know, you, you hate me already for talking about Bo Horvat, but the, the play he made on this uh, this goal to keep the puck in the zone. Oh, against Ryan Kessler. Position. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah, very, to, to get in play. position. And Ryan Kessler, I think, he, I, I believe I'd have to check natural stat trick, but I believe it was his job to go against Bo Horvat's line tonight, yeah, and um, I think it was uh, either Adam Henrique or Derek Grant who got tasked with going against Elias Pettersson, and it was Bo Horvat who made the Ducks pay. He didn't notice too much from Pettersson. He did, I think, have two assists on the night, so he was doing things, you know, he was actually putting up points and, and making an impact, but it was, Bo Horvat was the guy who sunk the Ducks tonight, and that line was just really good altogether, and, and on this one, uh, again, it, it's a great individual effort to keep the puck in, but then after that, he just goes unmarked. I, I think the guys see him dive on the ice and nobody really picks him up and he just skates right into the high slot. And that's the worst guy at this point to give the puck to in the high slot other than maybe Brock Best or Elias Pettersson. And uh, he wires it past Kevin Boyle and there's not much he can do. Uh, I mean, uh, Kevin Boyle didn't have a bad game, but when you look he at the scoreline, it, it looks like it, right? And, and you know, Sam Witwicky in our chat has been a little bit harsh saying he'll never be an NHL-level goaltender. It's a little bit of a small sample size. That's tough. Size. That's tough. Yeah. It's tough. He's I get the frustration. In, in really... That's tough. Well, when you look at the guys in front of him, I mean, especially the defense, he's got three guys you could argue aren't NHL defensemen or aren't NHL defensemen yet in the case of, of Gooley. But Holzer's not an NHL defenseman. Jacob Magna probably, I, I would definitely say, isn't an NHL defenseman. I think he's an AHL defenseman. So you've got those three in front of him, and just to the way the Ducks have played this year, it's hard to really judge his play when he's still making some good saves, some some big saves in the game. And some of the goals that got scored on him, are, they're going to beat any goaltender. I mean, Goldobin's shot's going to beat anybody. doesn't matter who's in the net. John Gibson, Ryan Miller, if they're in the net, that's beating them too. I mean, you want to talk about Ryan Kessler. This was just, let's go, I don't know, just five on five. He was oh and, or 1-8 in scoring chances against Bo Horvat. His line when he was faced up against him there, so that's that's tough. That's tough when you when you have the opposition basically running a muck in your zone because yeah. your defensive forwards can't handle the opposition there. That that's just real indicative of how the season's gone, right? He's our shutdown guy. You put it in, they just can't shut anyone down right now. So that's it, it, and you know what, Boyle's a lot. Boyle's allowed to have an off game. I mean, I I, I yeah. kind of feel like he's he's earned that, Everybody right? Is. I mean, everyone has yeah. those, so. But it's tough. Maybe he's not an NHL goaltender. He's 25, um, or maybe he's 26. I think he's right around Gibby's age. Gibby's already proven that he can be that. He's We know he's not a John Gibson. Maybe he's a late bloomer. He could be a solid backup. I don't know. That's it, tough. It's tough to say he's not an NHL goaltender. I think we need a bigger sample size for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. But uh, with the loss, the Ducks have now went from having the sixth overall pick to the fourth overall pick because the Devils won today and pulled uh, one point in front of the Ducks with the game in hand. Or no, with the same amount of games love played. Uh, Edmonton got a point, so now they're two points up on the Ducks with a game in hand. Uh, LA got a point, and now they're only four points behind the Ducks with a game in hand. So they're, they're moving down. The only team who's, who's really out of reach right now is the Senators, who are eight points behind the Ducks. But you know Detroit's two points behind Anaheim. And uh, LA is only four points behind Anaheim. So if you're, you're on the lose for Hughes train, uh, this was a big one because of the other teams picking up points today. 
Yeah, but I mean, Ottawa kind of got rid of some people that uh, might help them plummet. Oh, Ottawa's Ottawa's <laughs> finishing the bottom for sure. I, there's none of none of the teams like Detroit's bad, uh, LA's bad, the Ducks are bad, but nobody's going to be catching the, the Sands, especially the fact that they had, were a 49 point team before losing Duchesne, Dezingle, and Mark Stone. So if they're a 49 point team before that, they're I I will be surprised if they win five more games to finish the season oh yeah uh, that's that's tough that's really tough um let's get into the post game notes the trade deadline happened of course there were things that went on uh, but we gotta get you gotta, gotta talk a little bit about brandon montour okay um you and jay got to talk about it quite a bit already when you guys did the the, the show uh yesterday right on twitch yep but uh brandon montour as much as i liked him um, he was never a number one defenseman, right? I, I never got the the feeling from him that he that he was a top pairing defenseman, even right. Maybe with the, maybe with the correct guy, he, he meshed okay with Hampus Lindholm, but they're both kind of the same player in a, in a sense. They're both good two way defensemen. I'd say Brandon Montour definitely has the higher upside offensively. But yeah. um, anyone who's mad about that trade. If you for a minute thought that Brandon Montour was going to come back to the Ducks on his next contract and take a discount, you're high. You're crazy. He was going to get more money because he's a great skater. Uh, look what this team paid Cam Fowler. And people like Brandon Montour better than Cam Fowler. I feel like he's younger. Uh, he's probably a little bit better offensively than Cam. So to think that the Ducks were able to come in here and get some sort of team-friendly deal for him, he was a good piece to move. Uh, now the return... We'll see what happens. They're getting a first-round pick, which is great. Yeah. If if Gooley turns out to be, you know, a, a, a good 3-4 defenseman, even trade. And I'm okay with it. You get a younger guy. Uh, definitely more cost control, too. This guy's on an entry-level contract, whereas Brandon Montour is going to be getting paid, like I just said, probably $6 million, 5 to $6 million on his next deal. I think it's a good move for the Ducks. We're talking about a retool. It was, it was a... It was a good one. Anyone who's mad, I, I, Ducks Twitter was hilarious because everyone's complaining, and then I love the memes people throw up. They're like, Ducks fans, do something, Bob. Do something, Bob. Bob does something. Ducks fans, yeah. no, not that. Don't do that. It's like not it's so guy, true. Yeah. So true. Uh, it, it's I still the only thing I have a problem with is I still wish it was Buffalo's first round pick, and I know Buffalo yeah. was not really in a position to move that because they're probably not going to be a playoff team. But I'm sure you could have worked it where. If it wasn't the Sabres pick, like let's say it's even top 10 protected, you could even do that. And if the Sabres, if it's outside the top 10, the Ducks get it. If And if not, then they get next year, next year's pick. The Sabres maybe just didn't want to make that move because I don't know if they're confident on how they're going to do next year either, especially when you look at the teams in their division in Toronto, Boston, and Tampa Bay that are all getting better. But I, I, I'm not upset with it because it's still at the highest going to be a number 20 pick and at the lowest it would be 31 if St. Louis or San Jose or well I guess it, the lowest I guess it could only be I guess it could only be 30 right it can't be lower than, than 31 because if both teams make the Stanley Cup finals then it's going to be 30 and 31 so it's mm. it's really 20 to 30 is the first round pick that, that the Ducks could get so it's not that bad the Ducks have done very well in, in that last few picks in the first round before and uh I think adding that next first round pick this year was huge because it allows them to potentially take a center in the in the top five, top six of the draft if the Ducks finish in that point. And if they want, I mean, I'm sure they'll take best player available because they usually do. But a lot of the defensemen, uh, the best defensemen in this draft, are available around 15 to 30. So if the Ducks want to go and grab a defenseman, which I'm sure they want to do, 
after losing Brandon Wanto, and they don't really have a lot of right shot defensemen. There's some really good ones you can go out and get. So I think that pick is important. You can't really use that pick to judge how this trade is going to turn out in the future. No. A lot of fans and even even just the teams in general will look at it and say, oh, we picked this guy with this first-round pick, so now we easily win that trade. Well, that's that's after the fact. That's scouting and everything else that goes into that. It's fun that to do that, pick. though. Like It's fun to it do is. that to the Oilers. You look at like the Oilers give up this, didn't sign this guy, turn into this guy. Well, because, you know, the one I always that's, refer that's to fun. with the Ducks is the Ducks traded down in the draft, and, and I think they traded to get the 30th overall pick and a second-round pick, and the, the Maple Leafs moved up to like 24 or something to get Tyler Biggs, and the Ducks got Gibson and Raquel. That trade, regular, if you just look at it as a later first, six picks down and a second for a, a, a pick to where the team moves up about six or seven picks in the first round, it's a legitimate trade. It's fine. And then it just so happens the Ducks had a better scouting staff, picked, the, picked two very good players that ended up working out, and the, and the Leafs got a guy that's not even playing in the NHL anymore. So it just, that's how it works out. I think you value this trade based on what Brendan Gooley turns into. it. And like you said, if he turns into a 3-4, it doesn't matter what that first-round pick turns into because that's that's a an even trade right there. And if the first-round pick works out, then then sure, it's a win. His kick can skate, by the way. I noticed that tonight. Yeah. He, he's not well, the slow lumbering time in AHL All-Star Game history. So oh, see, that's a hell of a stat. And you know, honestly, it was it was noticeable right away. Like if he got like pinched up a little and someone tried to make a play along the wall, he's able to skate back. And you got to skate in this league. And if this league's going to be younger and faster which is pretty much where everyone's going and bob murray has said that too that's where you want to go so obviously some good scouting done there and i gotta say man they had a really good night they had a really really good night uh Gooley and um he played with corbin and holzer they both had i mean obviously they're not playing the lion's share in minutes against the top in competition all the time you want to have your better defenders out your more experienced guys out against there but when they were on the ice they were good they suppressed they suppressed plenty defensively and they provided uh, lots of chances when they were out there. The, the puck was in the other end of the ice. So I feel like it was a good game for him yeah, it, in particular. It, yeah, for Gooley in particular. Yeah, it, it was it was a solid night for him. He didn't make any mistakes. I mean, one penalty where he buried Mott's along the wall, but, I mean, that happens. Yeah, but uh, Mott has a tendency, and the broadcast mentioned it uh, as well, and I've seen this before from watching Canucks games. He has a tendency to over-exaggerate some of those plays. So, yes, it was a dangerous cross check from behind uh, but it was it was a little bit of a bump yeah, it's just the position he was in right you know you don't want to make any contact when a guy's got his back to you and he's that distance from the boards but mott takes i think a little bit of advantage there and, and just flings himself into the boards because if uh, if Gooley actually hit him that hard to send him flying like that mott wouldn't have had a chance to to cover up and, and kind of throw a shoulder into it if uh, he didn't know it was coming so Gooley, on the other hand, though, just a great skating. You can see that tonight. Made some really smart plays. Didn't make any mistakes, which is huge for a young guy playing in his first couple games this year in the NHL. I think he's only played two games this year with the Sabres. And uh, now his first game with a new team where he's basically coming in like right out of the AHL this year. So looked good to me. Tough game to get thrown into. Tough situation to get thrown into with how bad the Ducks are and how depleted they are in their blue line. But I'm impressed, and, and I think he'll stick around for probably the rest of the year when you look at the depth the Ducks have to, to replace him with. There, there really isn't anything. So he, he'll probably get a, a nice look here. And if not playing the rest of the, the 19 games there are in the season, he'll at least play at least half of them, I would assume. Yeah, I imagine he plays most of them. 
But uh, yeah, no, I was I was happy with that. The ne- the next trade that happened today uh, actually was uh, Del Zotto being shipped out. Um, he went to St. Louis, so St. Louis shipped back a sixth round pick. I'm you okay with that. So Luke Shin and a seventh got you Michael Del Zotto, and Michael Del Zotto got you a sixth. So so Luke Shen and a seventh got you a six. So perfect. I'm okay with it's, that. Whatever, it's whatever, because Luke Shen wasn't doing anything here either. So you you basically give up a guy that wasn't working and a seventh to move up with to get a six. So it's not the end of the world. I mean, it's not the best asset yeah, why management, were I guess. people mad but... about that, like that deal? Like they thought Del Zotto was going to be some great defenseman. I heard people saying that they thought Del Zotto was like a legitimate four on this team, where he looked like he could be a four on this team. I didn't know if we were watching the same games, but when I watched Del Zotto with, with Fowler... He got uh, burned was, so Early on, times. they didn't look good at all. And there was a couple games where they looked okay, but, I mean, you take if you take the Washington gamers as them looking okay, everybody looked pretty good in that Washington game because the Ducks played really well as a team. And Minnesota, the Ducks played good, and Minnesota just couldn't muster anything going in that game where the Ducks won 4 to nothing. But if you take those two games as, as an evaluation of Del Zotto doing well... He's just, uh, in, in that sense, he's just playing in, in a team that's playing really well on that night. And I, I don't think he was a catalyst in any sense in those two wins where he was actually making plays that led to the Ducks winning that game. So uh, he was he was an unrestricted free agent. You kind of always felt like if the Ducks were doing bad, they might as well move him, right? There's, there's no point in keeping him around. If you can get a six-round pick, you can get anything for him. You might as well go get it because at that point, it's just free assets for a guy who's not going to be around next year. I wish I could share my screen for everyone watching so they could see I'm on HockeyViz.com, which is a great website, by the way. Um, Micah Blake McCurdy does a great job with the analytics over there and the micro stats. But they're showing the sea of red in front of the Ducks net with Del Zotto on the ice. Just a full-on, like, floodgates open shots allowed through the high slot, through the low slot between the circles whenever Michael Del Zotto was on the ice. So if you think he's having a great game or he's been playing really well defensively, you might want to go check out some of those stats. Is this the, is this the shots allowed? Oh yeah, yeah, that's not. Pretty. Uh, I can I can pull it up for Did everybody you see it? on YouTube. Yeah, I can pull it up for everybody on YouTube just to just so you can uh, get a look see of what we're talking about here. But yeah, so you see five five v five unblocked shots against with Delzado on the ice, 194 minutes at five on five, and it's just a sea of red. Uh, anywhere between the circles and the slot and even out to the point the, the only really strong side if you want to call it a strong side is at the the left point if you're looking in from the offensive zone or the right point and uh, you know it, it this is pretty much as bad as it can get when you're looking at shot rates for a defenseman for anybody so uh, yeah if, if anybody thinking that Del Zotto was was doing something good for the Ducks Take a look here, and you'll see that it wasn't necessarily the, the case. And it's not all his fault. I'm not trying to say that. No. I mean, clearly his defensive partner, not so great either. Whoever, whoever he was paired with, clearly they weren't doing their job together. And we know the forwards have been suspect as well. But to go out and think that he started playing and he was a, he was a you know a positive factor on this team defensively, I just beg to differ. That's I just didn't see that. I saw more of this, more of the red. I saw more of him like letting guys walk in from the circles or mismanaging the puck in his own zone and turning it over, just things like that. I don't think he's a 3-4. I think he's more of a 5-6 defenseman in the league, just my personal opinion. I think he could find those guys anywhere. So Yeah, 
Uh, Sam had a quick question. Uh, he wants to see if we can refresh him his memory on how the draft lottery works. Sure. Um, so basically, right now, if the if the season ended right now, the Ducks in the fourth spot have a nine and a half percent chance of getting the combination that would give them the first overall pick. So I, I from the way it works, I believe is there's a certain amount of balls that get put into the whatever it's called the bingo machine, if you want to call it that. That the uh, <laughs> That the NHL uses like on TV, but uh, they get drawn behind the scenes. But uh, each team has a certain amount of combi- like one combination that will get them uh, the first overall pick. And the more the higher percentage you have, the more combinations you get. So the first overall pick, which right now would be the Senators going to Colorado, they would have more combinations than anybody. They'd have an eighteen and a half percent chance for their comp- specific number combination to get pulled. And the farther you go down all the way down to right now, Montreal, who's just uh, the, the last pick, it, they have a 1% chance. So they've, I believe they just have one combination of, I think it's a hundred or something like that, that if, if it came up with that, then Montreal, we get the first overall pick. So everybody that misses the playoffs has a chance at getting the number one overall pick. But when you look at uh, whether it's a hundred or a thousand, I can't remember how many combinations that, that are, are put out there. When you have a one percent chance, you're not likely to get it. So basically, you want to finish the, the as low as you can possibly get. But a nine and a half percent chance isn't that bad. I mean, the Ducks have a nine and a half percent chance of number one and a twenty-eight point eight percent chance of finishing in the top three. And even if they didn't move up, you finish at four right now. That's a pretty good spot to get a, a really good player. Obviously, you want to get Jack Hughes, but if you finish three, four, five, six in this draft, you're going to get a really good player. Yeah, the teams that don't qualify the playoffs the previous season get picks one through fifteen. So not not a bad deal, right? So you get to you get to figure that out. Um, it's it's really fun when they show it on TV. I love how they started making that a big deal when Connor McDavid uh, got drafted. Remember that? It's going to be fun this year because this is the year. <laughs> this is the, the only year where I actually watch it and it matters. I, I always like watching it, but this year it's going to actually mean something with the Ducks are going to be there and usually the general managers are there on the broadcast so i can't wait to see brian or bob murray there actually uh seated in his chair stressing a bit seeing if the ducks are going to get that that pick or not uh, the, the last time a, a draft lottery mattered for the ducks was when they got bobby ryan instead of Sidney crosby mm-hmm. so hopefully hopefully it doesn't turn into something like that let's see let's get out let's go down to uh, the trade that Ducks did, it was Patrick Seeloff or Brian Gibbons. That's how do you feel? I don't, I don't. Do you know much about about Seeloff? I don't really know anything about him. If I'm going to be you know completely honest with you, the the only thing about Seeloff is he's pretty much a career AHL to this point. He's played two NHL games, one with Ottawa, one with Calgary. He scored in both of them, but somehow did not. You know, scoring it in the first game you have with your team didn't earn you a second game some for some reason I, I don't know how that that works he pretty much did everything he could and uh, I, I don't see him getting a shot with the ducks maybe he does when you look at the fact that holzer and magna are your other two options uh, among the top three and then Gooley. so he could very well get a shot we could see Jakob Larson come up we could see josh maher when he comes back from injury andy Belinsky. like there could be a rotation among those those bottom three guys uh for the rest of the year I, I could see that happening because I don't think even if Jacob Magnet has to get put through waivers, I don't think anybody's picking him up. And uh, Holzer, nobody's going to touch him. And I think Gooley can go down without having to go through waivers, I would think. And if he if he ever had to pass through waivers, the Ducks aren't setting him down at all. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm not a huge 
I don't have a lot of knowledge on Patrick Seeloff other than he's just kind of a, a big body Pims guy in the AHL. He's the guy and, who concussed uh, his own teammate, uh, Clark MacArthur, in practice. If yeah, you guys remember that. Yeah. So he's just more he's of like for. a forcer D, <laughs> sort of. And when he comes up to the NHL, he just seems to score in every game. So if the Ducks want a game, if they, if they can't score goals right now, so if you want, I guess, a guaranteed goal, play him one game and it looks like he's going to score for your team and then just send him back down. <laughs> and, you know, defense defense goals are far few between on this team this year. So that would be a welcome surprise if he actually came in and scored. But I don't expect him to. It only to. works for one game, though. You, got, you, can only, you can only use it for one game and then it, and then it wears off. I really feel like he's just going to be a guy that's going to be on the goals to be there for when they call up guys from the goals who can play in the NHL level. That's what it is. It's a replacement player for the goals, guys. And Gibbons is Gibbons. See you later. We had some sort of hope for him at the beginning of the year. Didn't pan out. I'm so disappointed he didn't didn't pan out. And and I I didn't expect him to do everything he did in New Jersey. But when Taylor Hall went down in New Jersey, he stepped up and and really surprised people. And I was hoping he would come in and, and almost have the same type of impact that Carter Rowney's having or that Derek Grant has on this team. Where he'd just be a reliable player who could, who could occasionally chip into offense. And it just didn't work out for him. And whether that's just him not fitting into a horrible system or just Ooh, the player himself, harsh. I think it's a combination. I think it's a combination of a combination of both, honestly. But you look at some of the guys who didn't pan out that we had some optimism for. You know, he was one of them. Andre Suster was another. Uh, Jake Dodgson, like these guys that that the Ducks brought in that looked like they could at least do something in this team, and none of them have stuck around. Hey Eddie, let's talk about a little bit here of what the off season could entail because an interesting quote popped out towards the end of the game tonight. Do you want to read that off? What Bob Murray had said in the Ducks and Ducks Twitter released. Yeah, so they released this I think at the end of the second period. Which was kind of interesting timing to, to release. We're losing. Like this. We're losing. So here's a quote that will kind of take your mind off of it. I mean, I like it. I, I'm, I don't know if he's oh, – yeah. like he's said a lot of things. Bob Murray said a lot of things, and not all of his come true. In the offseason, he said they're going to make a lot of changes and this team's going to get faster, and that didn't end up happening. So take it with a grain of salt. But he said in his quote, we're moving forward, getting younger. It, in brackets, the Montour trade was just the first piece of what we're trying to do here. The pieces might not make sense at the moment, but they're going to fall into place as time goes by. We're going to change this team over a little bit. So as we thought, if any big moves happen, because a lot of these guys are under contract, they likely happen in the offseason. So it looks like he's kind of leaning towards making some more changes in the offseason around the draft when it would be a better decision to trade a guy like Adam Henrique or Cam Fowler or whoever at the, the, the trade de- or not the trade deadline at the draft instead of the trade deadline so doesn't mean he's going to it, it does at least provide us a little bit of insight to his direction right i mean because murray's we always blessed. kind of been that guy though right he doesn't add to his team guy. at the deadline if... well, we've never been in this spot though he, no he, but he never but adds that's what i'm saying he never really but he's, he's never gonna add unless it's gonna be something that's gonna push him over the top and at the draft, you always get better value in the offseason than you do during the draft. So, or than you do during the trade deadline, rather. So, I, I feel like it makes more sense to do it this way anyway. No, I, I definitely think it does. It, it's just at least nice to get some insight because we were a little bit confused with the Montour sell off and then also the Jakob Silverberg extension. At least I was because they were kind of contrasting a bit on, on what direction you're going in. 
and then to at least hear from him that he's acknowledging that they're trying to get younger and they're moving towards the future and that they're going to address some more of that in the offseason. Didn't really say that specifically, but he alluded to that, that they're still going to make some changes to this, to this team in what he said over a little bit, which would mean, I guess, in the short term, they're going to try and make some changes to this team. So no one's I, safe I is think, what he's saying. Yeah, I, I do think another move gets made uh, at the draft. Uh, whatever the magnitude of that that move is going to be remains to be seen uh, it could simply be a buyout of ryan kessler a buyout of, of patrick eaves a, a fowler henrique trade uh it could be something small we don't know but i i think he's pretty much like you said he's open to anything and and really nobody is safe we would have thought you know a, a couple months ago that brandon Montour was untouchable on this team and, and then he ends up being the guy who ends up getting moved so you know that maybe opens the door is unlikely and as much i would hate it but a, a guy like ricard raquel maybe that opens the door for a trade like that mm. when you look at teams would be all over that contract for the next couple of years uh, and and having an impact player like that and maybe a new start and uh, maybe he'd get back to a 30 goal score i don't think the ducks should move him but i don't think it's out of possibility i think bob murray is considering pretty much almost anything at this point i mean funny you brought that up i think someone uh on this podcast brought that up on a bonus show on patreon yeah you that, also uh, brought up you also brought up that we should trade john gibson too theoretically so, yeah <laughs> I, I don't think uh everyone's open okay if we're talking about rebuild you got to look at every angle um where do you want to go next my friend do you want to dig into any more duck stuff do you want to take uh, questions in chat do you want to go what do you want to do because this game is is done and over with and uh we have we can go trade deadline where do you want to go we got tons of things we could do Let's go into some of the fan questions we had and uh, and pick those apart. I, I don't know if there's a ton, but we'll start with Instagram. Uh, Sons of Hockey said, can this team win without Getzlaff? They can't win with Getzlaff, so I don't think they can win without Getzlaff at this point. And they haven't won without Getzlaff. They've lost all three games that he hasn't been in. I know some of them were close games, but it, uh, it, it doesn't seem like a team that can win in general. So without your best player in the lineup, it's going to be even harder to win. Mm. I mean, they've got Chicago Wednesday, Vegas Friday. Whew. Chicago's playing well, too. Yeah. Is, yeah. Is, and Corey Crawford's back. So mm. it was... They could uh, beat the before. Hawks, though. But uh, I don't know. they would definitely I, I, need I Ryan Getzloff to do that, I feel like. With the Patrick Kane, the streak he's on with Debrinket and Strom gelling the way they are, Jonathan Taves is putting up almost a career year, and Corey Crawford back. This is all of a sudden a team that doesn't look as bad as they were. And they are getting on, on sort of a roll, and, and they're not going to make a playoff push, but they're moving up in the standings where before they were with St. Louis near the bottom, and now all of a sudden they're, they're playing a little bit better. So I, I think it's going to be a tougher matchup than you think, especially with Corey Crawford back. I mean, that just helps them a ton having a reliable goaltender in that where they had Cam Ward and, and Delia as their, their, <laughs> their, their goaltending duo leading up until Crawford's return. So that's going to be tough. Vegas is going to be tough. I mean, any game at this point, unless you're playing the Senators, is going to be a tough game. No, I agree. And even then, that we've lost the Senators, so whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Daniel Lowry wants to know, what are you drinking to deal with the rest of the season? Um, tonight I have iced tea. But uh, I feel like oh, so you, can, you can't even chirp me for when I always say water, and now Dude, you've got iced tea. My alarm goes off tomorrow at five a.m. and I have to go to work. I, I don't get hammered on the weeknights. 
<laughs> yeah, well, how come when I say I, I have school in the morning, oh, you can drink in water? You're in college. Your, yeah. your body's built to take in tons of alcohol, be able to get no sleep, and then wake up the next morning and do it again. I'm 35. I can't do that. It doesn't work anymore. Uh, Yan and Yan and YouTube wants to know: uh, Do we really want to win another game, or do we want to tank 100? Uh, percent I never want this team to lose. No. But I'm all for getting a top five pick, especially if if you can get a better chance of getting Jack Hughes. So, do I want this team to get a, a top pick? Yes. Do I actively root for them to lose? No. But if if they lose like tonight, am I as disappointed as I am in past seasons? No. Because there's at least a light at the end of the tunnel here where it's a top pick, right? It, it's not it, you're pushing for a playoff spot and a loss is a, is a, a big deal, especially against a, a Pacific Division rival. Right now, nine teen more sad podcasts. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I can and handle you can't it. Even fully tank at this point. I, we I mean, went like, through like this. You said, during the most recent streak of losses that that's tough that's tough that's a tough ask but hey we that's were kind of calling for it we were calling for the tank so might as well tank i mean might as well do it might as well you might as well but again i i, I wasn't i didn't go into this game saying oh, i hope they lose no no you, you you hope that you know brandon Gooley comes in and plays well and you hope you, you see some of these guys turn around like raquel finally gets going and perry gets going just to see some some light at the end of the tunnel, but right now the only thing we have to look forward to is a high draft pick if the Ducks keep losing, which doesn't look like the the end is, is in sight here because they can't score. That's been an issue all year. Yeah, the defense has really shored can. up a little bit. It hasn't been as bad as it used to be, and I think that's product of Randy Carlisle moving on and players getting a little bit more confident and, and working in a little bit different of a system, but the, the goal scoring hasn't changed, and it's not going to change. There's just guys who are slumping in, in Ricard Raquel and others, and there just isn't a lot of goal scoring on this team. A lot of guys who can put the puck in the back of the net, and, that, and that's not going to change no matter what you do, no matter who you bring up, no matter who you send down right now. The Ducks just don't have a lot of depth up front and a lot of guys who can routinely put the puck in the back of the net. All right, what do we got next? Um, I, Well, this was just uh, – somebody said we should try and go for – the second last pick because we're not caught catching the sense. Yeah, I, I think so. And just because you, you finish in that spot doesn't mean you're not going to get Jack Hughes because with the draft lottery, you have the second best chance of, of getting number one, but it also doesn't mean you're going to get the second pick either because you could fall, which would be the worst nightmare, I think, for the Ducks, right? Is tanking throughout the whole season, getting that number two spot, and then falling outside the, the top two. Because mm. another team wins the lottery and moves up, and missing out on Jack Hughes and Capo Caco, and, and again, you still get a good player, but Matt, like finishing in that spot, and, and this is how a lot of teams feel when they finish in that number one overall spot and end up losing out to a team that won the lottery that is, you know, pick five, six, or seven, and and you've been bad all season, and then you don't even get really rewarded at the highest level for yeah, it. Yeah, but so. you still get a, you still get a really good player. You don't get that franchise altering guy. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Well it's like it's like Buffalo missing out on Connor McDavid, right? Yeah. Like that as good as Jack Eichel is, you're always gonna be like, oh you missed out on Connor McDavid. I mean the Ducks have been victims of that. As good as Bobby Ryan was when he came into this team, you missed out on Sidney Crosby. You know, you, you didn't win the draft lottery that year. It was a different different type of situation. But you didn't win the draft lottery that year, and you didn't get Sidney Crosby. And look at the success that Pittsburgh has had with Sidney Crosby and their oh, team, right? Rub so, it in. Yeah, we got to keep talking about that. 
<laughs> uh, jo- Joseph on Facebook says, can we get some clarity on who we can move up and down with the girls? The AHL rosters are supposed to be pretty much set with the exception of emergency call-ups. Do Jones, Terry, Magna, Boyle, or Gooley count as emergency or are they stuck on the Ducks roster? Um, I'm not 100% certain on this, but I believe the paper transactions the Ducks made with Terry, Jones, and uh, I think Jacob Magna don't count as emergency call-ups. I think they've only used one of their emergency call-ups and that's it, but I'm not 100% certain. I know there was a lot of discussion and a lot of people trying to figure this out on Twitter, so I'd have to look into it more. But, it, yeah, it was an interesting situation that they got to put themselves into where they had to make those paper transactions where they didn't have any guys to really call up, so they had to make those transactions to send some guys down, and, and the only guy they really officially sent down was Sam Steele to go along with Andy Walensky, who they sent down earlier, I think, a couple of days before that. So... I think they still have some emergency call-ups left. It's not really a big deal if they don't. I mean, the Ducks aren't in a playoff push, right? They, they're not really going to have to I think, use I those emergency call-ups I think the only anyway. one that has to go through waivers now is Jacob Megna. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, I know for sure that the young guys are waiver-exempt. And I think Gooley is also waiver-exempt because he's on his entry level still. I'd have to, again, double-check that. But even if the Ducks were all of their their uh, emergency call-ups, it's not the end of the world because, again, like I said, they're not making a push. If, if they get put in a position where they would have to use one of them, it's not a big deal if they can't because they can get around it a different way and not have to worry about making a push and needing a guy up, right? Like, they can play with 11 forwards if they have to because it's not the end of the world. So they'll they'll make it work. It's it's not it's not that big of a deal if they use them. I don't know 100 percent if they use if they used them all or not because of the way the transactions took place, and that's kind of the same sentiment I saw on Twitter where a lot of people were confused because of of how delayed the announcement was of these transactions as well with the minimal moves the Ducks made on deadline day. It took until literally like an hour before the game for this news to come out, which was ridiculous <laughs> when these transactions had to be made before 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific today. For everyone to know until... where they were going to be going. Yeah. Well, yeah, we don't hear about them until five hours later. So even on the on the trade deadline stream today, me and uh, Jason just kind of assumed that they didn't get done because the AHL transaction page hadn't been updated. The Ducks roster page still had them on there. So, you know, the only thing we assumed at the time, if it got done, it was paper transactions, which it turned out to be that that case. But we had no news of it until literally the last minute before the game started. Right. Yeah, I, I think that Jones and Terry and Gooley are fine. I don't know about Boyle. I'm assuming Boyle is an emergency call-up considering the injuries. Um, yeah. You know, it's that's John why I think Gibson, Chad Johnson, and Ryan Miller. Right now. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think that's the only guy I don't know for sure if he's eligible for the playoffs or not. I know everybody else is. I know Magna and uh, Jones and Terry and, and obviously Steele and Walensky getting sent down. Everybody I think is is eligible for that. I'm not 100 percent sure if Kevin Boyle is uh, eligible because I didn't see his name on the list of the transactions they made. I would assume they they probably tried everything they could, and there is a good chance that they did get it done and he is eligible. I just didn't. His name didn't stick out to me when I was looking at, at the, the list of players. And that could just be missing me missing his name and not seeing it there. But that's a guy I'll have to, again, double-check on to see if he is eligible or not for for the playoffs. Because that would be a big loss for San Diego. Yeah, so they just play. had to be, all be sent down. And then they were used like this, like a paper transaction. All that means is that it was the players didn't move. Just the transaction happened. If right? the transaction happened before 3 p.m. Eastern... 
And then after that, they were called, or some of them were called back up and joined Jones, Terry, and Magna, and I think Kevin Boyle as well, Mm -hmm. if uh, if he really was indeed. So yeah, again, the transaction happened, and then right after they were called back up, other than Sam Steele, who was officially sent down. So it's just so they can be put on there. It, It it almost makes you wonder why they even need that deadline to begin with if you can easily just do that right like it, it's such a tedious process that it kind of gets in the way and you know the ducks didn't have enough forwards but they were still able to send technically send four or five guys down to the minors without calling anybody back up and then also make a the move to call them back up right after so it's like what's the point of even having that in place if they're allowed to do that because you can't. There's a, there's a minimum roster limit. You're not allowed to cross. You you have to have a certain amount of players. So unless they one by one sent them all down, but that and, there, work and there's either. no leeway. You don't just get to skate over this. You know, apologize for the bad pun there. You don't you don't get to just you know have an extended amount of time with extra players. You have to meet the deadline. But you're right. It's like okay, you just well, yeah. by paper you don't have to send anybody anywhere. You just transaction online, send your paperwork via email, and it's done. After the trades today, the Ducks had. Six, uh, 12 forwards and six defensemen so mm-hmm. if they technically sent down four or five guys they would have been well under the minimum roster limit that you're allowed to have up here and somehow they still made that work and did paper transactions to call them back up so again if you're allowed to do that and dip below what is supposed to be the minimum roster limit what's the point of even having that in there as a stipulation to have them down down in, in san diego because it's so easy to just say oh they're sent down oh they're back up so why not just allow whoever's on the roster for San Diego at the time uh, when playoffs come around is allowed to compete in the playoffs? Uh, like, obviously, guys who are eligible to go down there. Like, you can't send Ryan Getzlaff down there, but you know what I mean? Like, the, all the kids were eligible to go down there. They've been down there for most of the year. So I, I, it's just a, a weird process, I think, that's just part of the rules that you got to do it, but it really just makes no sense when you're looking at it. All right, what else we got, man? I think that's pretty much it. That, that's oh, all we had for questions. Sweet. Um, Sam uh, asked if we're going to do some goals playoff games. For uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if we're going to do post game for goals playoff games. Uh, I'd have to somehow find a stream for that. We might do like we're going to do shows in the off season where we'll probably just update what's going on with that because we'll obviously have like a draft show and, and other things in the off season that are, are going to be coming up as well. So maybe like in those shows, we'll update what's going on with the goals. But I don't think we're gonna do post games of of what's going on with the goals because you know we already have to do a lot of of work during the games and everything to set up for this, and then to to, to have to go and do that for San Diego. It, it I would, would have be, to buy uh, that package online, the AHL package. I think is like eighty bucks yeah. a year to do. But we'll definitely talk about them. We're not going to just completely ignore them because they're part of the, the Ducks organization. But of course, uh, as for, like as for individual post game shows, I don't I don't think that's going to happen for for playoff games for San Diego. Nah, I, I mean it would be cool if we could. Look, let me look at it right now. What does it say? One team, all games. It's expensive. I sixty think. bucks a year. The nah, AHL sixty bucks cheap. a year is the nothing. For, yeah, I, can't, I always forget the OHL here. The OHL package is like three hundred bucks. It's That's insane. more expensive than the NHL package. Yeah, it, it's because of the uh, the company they use. They just like <sighs> overcharge for everything. But um, Ricky asked goals games for FM three stars, maybe. But that, that's oh. all hockey. 
right? We, we, we would have to work out a deal with them. Yeah, we'd have to yeah. definitely do generally that. do the summer. Like every every sponsor they have during the summer, they they tend to tone things back because they're not going to make as many sales in the summer with hockey not on. Mm -hmm. So they generally just limit it to about one contest throughout the entire summer, which is what we did last year, where we got the one jersey that we gave away in different ways to enter throughout the entire summer. So that's what we're probably going to get again. I mean, we can do FM three stars for San Diego goals games, but it wouldn't be a jersey. It'd have to be something smaller that, that we end up getting on the side because I don't think cool hockey uh, would be be willing to do that at that point because it doesn't really make them that much money in the summer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's too tough to do. I would think just to try to to try to. I mean, first of all, I don't really get to to have time to watch the games, and I would kind of like to watch them. But I get the three stars. The, oh. the three the three stars thing's fun though. So. Maybe we could work out something and up. do some sort of contest or something like that. I, I completely know. messed up Sam's question. He said, "You, you he said you guys gonna go to some goals playoff games?" Oh, I do some yeah, I, well, I'd I like to. Live, I don't live down there, so I can't. I'm but, about a uh, hour and twenty minute drive. Not too bad. Yeah, if anybody, if anybody is like, definitely go because it's gonna be some great hockey and it, with all the kids getting sent down there and Brennan Gooley will probably be down there as well, which will be a, a big boost to the goals. Good chance that if come to season ends early, he could also go play down in, in San Diego at some point. If they're making a long playoff run, I think, you know, his team, uh, Drummondville and the QMJHL is probably going to make a long run, but if they get out early or by the time his season is done, if the goals are still making a playoff push, he could also be a part of that run, which is a huge boost for them. Same goes for Isaac Lindstrom if he wants to come over after his SHL season is done. So two guys that aren't even playing in the AHL this year have a good chance of going in there. I, I don't know how it works. It's so weird with Junior where you don't have to be like on the roster like we just talked about the 3 p.m. deadline because Max Jones did that at the end of his last season with London where their playoffs ended early and he just was able to come right in and play. So yeah. I don't know the exact rules on that, but I would assume that Comtois and Lindstrom would be eligible to come over and play in the playoffs. And they might, or they might, you know, have an early summer. You get ready for training camp. Who knows? But either way, it'd be a huge now, these boost. These kids to that generally team. will do whatever, whatever <laughs> the team says. If they say true. come over and play in the playoffs for the goals, they're going to come over and play in the playoffs. Yeah, that's true. They don't have the clout to do whatever the hell they want. I guess when you're part of the organization, you're kind of stuck, like you said, with whatever they want you to do. Um, yeah. If you guys haven't already checked us out on Patreon, um, it's the last month of like of the uh, like all of our major bonus shows. We're trying to figure out something clever to do over the summer because people are still paying, so we want to do something throughout the summer. But uh, we have four bonus shows. We're actually recording one. Eddie and Jay did a, a top ten show yesterday. We're recording a Q and A for um, for our Patreons tomorrow, which is perfect timing with the deadline. Then we do our pucks and brews, which is essentially an NHL show. We're going to do that one on Thursday and the last day of the month to get in all those. And we got another month of those in March. And then uh, we have hockey in April, so we got to do them then. But um, and that'll be fun, too. Playoffs are around, so we'll try to think of some fun things fun things to do. But if you haven't already, checked out our Patreon. If you want more of our talk, check us out there. Um, also, we do a weekly show now for PucksWithFeather.com, which is pretty awesome. Uh, weekly recap show. So if you want to, uh, we don't break down the games or anything like that. Like You don't, you don't get the same vibe as you do on this show. But, uh, you know, Jason... Eddie and myself, we all, you know, go on that show. We each take turns going on two at a time like we do on this show. But uh, we talk more Ducks. So that gets pumped out once a week as well. So you can pretty much find us all the time. So we appreciate the support to everybody who tunes into the shows. Um, Eddie, you got anything else you want to chime in on here before we wrap? 
Uh, no, we we did uh, give away, or if you didn't come out today, we did give away Brandon Montour signed eight by ten on our Twitch stream. Um, so if you haven't checked out our Twitch, we're we're gonna do some more stuff like that, especially during the summer. So it's twitch.tv slash forever mighty. So we did the Brandon Montour news we did on Twitch as well as doing the trade deadline show, which me and Jason did for like two and a half hours today uh, on Twitch. So a lot of those types of shows will be on Twitch because uh, eventually we're going to try and move the podcast over to Twitch out of a lot of requests from our listeners who just prefer Twitch over YouTube. So we're working on doing that. So if you want to get ahead of the game and just go over there and follow us there so you're 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 ready to go when we do eventually move the podcast over there, then like I said, it, it's uh, twitch.tv slash forevermighty. And when you say move the podcast over there, we're still going to be on YouTube. We're still going to be on Spreaker. But if you want to catch it yeah. live video streaming, it's going to be on Twitch. That's what we're moving yeah. towards. We're going to figure out Whatever we got to do to do that come summertime. And the last thing, for those of you still listening to the show right now, uh, watch party, March 23rd, uh, Ducks-Kings game here at Craftsman in Yorba Linda, Anaheim Hills area. It's off Imperial La Palma. Uh, working out some deals there with the ownership there in order for us to get some pretty good happy hour menu priced items. But uh, definitely going to be doing that on March 23rd. And uh, we'll talk to you guys Wednesday. I'm going to be there too. Oh yeah, Eddie's coming. I'm, Eddie, Eddie's I'll coming to that one. So Eddie's flying in from Nashville. He's already going to be in America. So I said, "Screw it, dude! Just show up to the last, uh, show up to the last watch party. Come have fun." So that'll be a good time. And we're out. We'll talk to you guys Wednesday. Have a good one. All right. See you guys.